Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here, and it's great to be talking about our 2020 vision. I don't know about you, but I feel like this teaching series is like the the gift that just keeps on giving. Um, Every time James or Pete have spoken about this previously, I've just been so bowled over and excited about what God is going to do. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time where fast fashion wasn't really a thing. My family were more make-do-and-mend kind of people. Does anybody understand that? Yeah, anyone have that experience? And it's funny to see, you know how things are cyclical. Now I'm 30, over the age of 30, I feel like I'm qualified to say these things. But you know how things are cyclical. Well, now we're going back to a time, aren't we, where make-do-and-mend is on the rise. We're looking at more things of ethical shopping and reducing waste, etc. I find that really interesting. But... um, when I was a child, um, I was very rarely bought something new to wear. My clothes often came from a charity shop or for a, from a distant cousin who had grown out of their clothes and handed them down to me. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. And the thing about hand-me-downs is that then they weren't designed for me. They often didn't fit very well. Sometimes they were a little bit too big. Sometimes they were way, way too big. And my mum used to put it on me and say, you'll grow into it. Yeah, you all know what I'm saying. And they just didn't fit well. But they were still great quality and they had loads of life left in them. But when I was about 11, I was invited to a family wedding and my mum took me into town to purchase a brand new outfit for this wedding. And uh, we spent a lot of time in the shops and I spent time picking something out that was perfect for me. It fit my size, it fit my style, it was um, designed for the event that I was going to. It was a perfect match and I felt like a million dollars. Well, that's how I feel about this new vision. Our old vision was great. It was quality. It still had life left in it, but it didn't quite fit exactly who we were now. This new vision given by God is fit for purpose. It's custom made for who we are and where God wants to take us in 2020 and beyond. And I'm so excited and expectant. And I'm so grateful to God that he's given us such clarity of vision. And I'm expectant for what the future holds. Every time we try it on, proverbially, of course. But every time someone mentions it, I'm taken back to that feeling as a child in that perfect outfit, fit for purpose and ready to go. And the hairs on my arms stand up and I'm expectant and excited about what God is going to do. We really believe that this new mission, vision and core beliefs will inspire us and encourage us to move forward into all that God has for this church and into all that God has for us as individuals, empowering us to discover exactly who God has called us to be. By way of a reminder, our new vision is as follows. We are a church called for purpose. We have a purpose. There is a mandate on us corporately as a church and as individuals. We are called for purpose, to lead people into a powerful, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We seek to cultivate thriving, genuine community where ordinary people like me and you can be empowered to do extraordinary things. Operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see lives and communities transformed. Amen. I don't know about you, but that just makes, makes my heart sing. But also we have our new mission statement. It's super easy, and you've already heard it twice by now, so I'm going to test you all out. It's a three-part, three-word mission statement. The first one is connect. Yes, well done. The second one is grow. And the third one is thrive. Ten out of ten, everybody. That's great. We want to connect people to God to other people, and to the church. We want to see people grow spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. We want to see you become the best version of you you can be. We want to see this church be the best church it can be. And just as importantly, we want to see this community that we love and serve be the best community it can be. Thriving, genuine community. We've also redefined our core beliefs. When you look at a list of core beliefs, it can be really difficult to pick which ones you want to go for because they're all good things. No one is ever going to say, oh, yes, no, I don't want to be generous or, oh, no, I don't want to be loving or I don't want to be mission-focused. You wouldn't, you wouldn't ever say those things, but there's a long list of them. And um, we really felt strongly that we needed to seek the Holy Spirit, on where we needed to put our focus in 2020. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we were able to discern exactly what core beliefs we needed to stand on in this next season. A value, I'm sorry, Brene Brown, who's one of my heroes, check her out, she's amazing. Um, But she defines a value, or in our case, we're calling them core beliefs, as follows. She says, a core belief is a way of being or believing that we hold most important. And that's what these are. She goes on to say this, living into our values means that we do more than profess our values. We practice them. We walk our talk. We're clear about what we believe and hold important. And we take care that our intentions, words, thoughts, and behaviors align with those beliefs. We can't live into our core beliefs um, if we don't even remember them, which is why we only have a handful. We've got five. They are love, faith, authentic, courage, and action. And I would really encourage you to learn them off by heart. We must love and put on the uniform of heaven. Pete said that last week. We must put on the coat of love. What does that look like? It looks like being generous, being welcoming and encouraging, building meaningful relationships, and seeking to create a place where all can belong, thriving and genuine community. We must have faith, and we must be sound in scripture, faithful in prayer, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must be authentic, living as the people God has created us to be in freedom and in liberty, not bound by the fear of man, living in our identity as the children of God. 
We must be a people who are bold and courageous, who live life out loud, who step outside of their comfort zone and are creative in all aspects of life, choosing to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads us, even if it's where our trust is without borders, as the ocean song says. I don't tweet, but if I did, I would have tweeted last week when Pete said that sometimes stepping, us, um, stepping out of our comfort zone allows us to step into the comforter zone where we're able to bless other people. If that was yours and it's original, very good, very good. Pete's actually very creative. He blows my mind. Um, and lastly, we must be a people of action. We don't only talk the talk, but we walk the walk. If we are called for purpose, which I believe we are, then we need to live out that purpose in action, doing the things that we are called to and created for. And we all must play our part, however big or small. Pete last week looked at the um, first part of our mission to connect, and it's my job today to look at the next part, grow. We're not meant to remain static We're called to grow into a deeper understanding of God through enhancing and deepening our prayer lives, biblical study, times of worship, serving others, and building genuine relationships. Growth speaks of advancement, improvement, increase. Spiritual growth is a commandment and an expectation of the kingdom of heaven. It says in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Growth is three things, as far as I can tell from the Bible. Number one, it's important. It says in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Secondly, it's essential. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's Hebrews 12, 14. And it's also a command, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter three eighteen. Growth is intrinsic to the kingdom of heaven. There are so many examples of growth in scripture. In the natural world, there is Luke 17, verse 6, which talks about the parable of the mustard seed. And it says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will be, um, and it will obey you. Um, I don't know if you guys are green fingered types of people and understand why this is significant, but you're about to become experts. So the significance of a mustard seed is this. It's one of the tiniest and most insignificant seeds in the Middle East, but it's also one of the fastest growing annual seeds. It can grow up to 10 feet tall in just a few months. On the other hand, the sycamore mulberry has one of the most evasive and damaging root systems. The root system runs far and deep, it grows quickly and dominates everything in the surrounding soil and can even destroy foundations of buildings. But... Don't you just love those conjunctions of God? But, I love it. But the mustard seed in its minute size has the power to uproot even the deepest roots of the sycamore mulberry bush. This, of course, is a metaphor. 
But where there is the tiniest bit of faith, it can be nurtured and can grow into immense proportions, spreading its influence far and wide and benefiting those who encounter it. We also see this in the lives of the disciples, who in Acts 4.13 are described as unlearned and ignorant men. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I work in projects. I create project teams all the time. And when I'm looking for a team, I'm looking for people who are skilled, who are experienced. They cost a lot of money because they're really um, good at what they do. I'm looking for experts. I send out for CVs. I get hundreds in and maybe five of them make the cut. I interview them and I find the best one of them for the job. I definitely would not be picking the person whose CV said, ignorant and unlearned man. That wouldn't be my go-to. But yet God did, and it changed the world. And we see that the kingdom of God exploded following the death and resurrection of Christ, despite the many challenges it faced. In the natural, this was not possible. But in the supernatural, this growth was inevitable. And I love it when we see in Acts where it says 3,000 were added to their number in one day. Now, I've got faith, but I want the kind of faith that believes, because it's true, by the way, that we are as likely today to go out and preach the gospel on the precinct and 3,000 people come to know Christ and come to church as it was for them in that day. All we need do is have faith and believe. It was also foretold in Isaiah 2.2. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream into it. This is already divinely appointed to happen. All we need do is play our part. And we can see that growth is the default position of the kingdom of God. But we're also called to grow spiritually, emotionally, and relationally as individuals. But the best thing about growth is it's continual. We are never finished. It's not about what we've achieved in comparison to other people, but about the distance we've traveled in the right direction. It's not about perfection, but it's about persistence. Henry Ward Beecher once said, we should not judge people by their peak of excellence, but by the distance they have traveled from the point at which they started. Andy Stanley says, spiritual maturity is measured in terms of persevering faith, not perfect behavior. Sometimes people say to me, oh, you're kind of quite high functioning. Like, how do you manage to do church and family and and work and seem to be fairly reasonable um, in all those areas. And I have one simple um, answer to that. I'm not clever. I'm not learned. In fact, sometimes I'm pretty ignorant. I don't have an amazing spiritual legacy that has been left for me. I haven't invested hours and hours and hours in prayer and theology. There's more for me to do there. The single thing I have done and the single thing you all do every day, which you should be proud of, is you put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes it is the faithful perseverance to take the next step. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you must keep moving forward. 
And Winston Churchill once said, continuous effort, not strength, nor intelligence, is the key to unlocking potential. Now, I don't want to get into trouble and disagree with Winston Churchill, but I believe that we have an even greater level of success in the area of growth, because as well as our efforts, we are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. But growth is intentional. Do you know that? It's intentional. I don't know about you, but one of the biggest joys for me at Christmas is when I'm able to go to the shop and I buy my first poinsettia. Naomi got hers before me this year and I was a bit grumpy. I had to do some heart work because she got there first. Um, But I love them. They're so beautiful and so full of life and they make me feel Christmassy. Um, There's an example of one here, but I've brought mine to show you. James, are you going to bring it out for me? Thanks. Um, yeah, it hasn't really been well fed or watered or tended to or deadheaded. In fact, to be honest, it's been in this state for about a week and a half and I've just left it where it was. I haven't saved this in preparation for today. I walked past it yesterday and thought, oh, (laughs) probably should do something about that. In order for things to grow, they need to be looked after and be cultivated in the right environment. So if we want to grow spiritually, emotionally, and relationally, then we need to be intentional. I love the kids' work here at Life Church, and it's good to see the amazing work that goes on with our littlest acorns. And it would be very easy for us just to say, oh, well, they're just kids, and baby them and not provide them with quality provision. But we know that little acorns turn into what? Mighty oaks, mighty oak trees, which is why it's so important that we invest in them. Do you know that a single acorn can, in its lifetime, produce 10,000 acorns. That's 10,000 for the price of one. That is the evidence of growth in creation. But this is the kind of fruit that we should be looking for spiritually as well. But back to the acorn. In order for the acorn to grow and produce fruit, it needs to be planted. Only when it's planted does it begin to grow into that mighty oak. We need to make sure that we're planted. It's not good to just float around from here to there to here to there. We need to be intentional, identify where we're called to, and choose to plant ourselves there. Secondly, we need to put down good roots. When an acorn germinates, it begins the growth process, not by going up, but by going down. And it creates um, a, a root which is called a tap root. Um, I liked a band, a heavy metal band, when I was a teenager called Taproot, but that's not what this is talking about. This is an actual root. And the scientific um, explanation of a Taproot, I love this, is that it creates an anchor for life for the plant. I'd like to suggest that the Taproot of our spiritual life must be a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the anchor that sustains us, regardless of what is thrown at us. 
Once the root system is established, the acorn then begins to shoot up. It becomes a seedling and grows from strength to strength until it reproduces acorns. And we know from studying growth in that way that the deeper and wider the root system goes, the taller and stronger the, the tree becomes. In order to enhance the growth of a tree, it has to have the following things. It has to be... Um, It has to have good fertilizer or food. It needs room to grow. It needs support or shelter. And it needs to be well watered. I'm going to add a fifth one on reflection from the first service. It needs the sunshine, doesn't it? It needs to do its photosynthesis. But I would suggest that growing spiritually, we need the same thing. Food or fertilizer, we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God, the bread of life. Secondly, we need to give ourselves room to grow. What does that look like? It doesn't mean that you can keep putting on weight and buy the next size of trousers. Um, But what it does mean is that we need to put ourselves in situations where we step outside of our comfort zone, where we give ourselves an opportunity to grow. You will not grow doing the same thing that you have always done. You have to step out in faith. Thirdly, support or shelter. That might look like pastoral care. That might look like discipleship. It might look like attending a life group. It might look like godly relationship. But you need support and shelter. You need people to pray for you and love you and care for you. You need to be well watered. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It says in John 4, 13 to 14, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And fifthly, not on the slide, is that you need to have the sunshine. And I was reminded that the sunshine is the sun. And this is the life-changing relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But in order to grow, we need to be intentional. We need to see growth as a race, but it's a race of one. Fear not, I'm not calling you into competition with each other. I'm calling you into competition with yourself. And as Monica from Friends says, um, competition with yourself is the best kind of competition. So firstly, you need to enter the race. You need to enter. You can't win anything that you didn't enter. We cannot grow by sitting on the sidelines. We must enter wholeheartedly. Secondly, we need to have a positive attitude. Some people might call this a growth mindset. In education, any teachers in the room may have heard of this, Dr. Dweck came up with this idea of a growth mindset. And uh, she said, when we believe we can be smarter, we understand that effort makes us stronger. Therefore, we put in more time and effort, which leads to higher attainment. And this is all to do with the fact that our brains are like plastic. They can stretch and grow and mold so that we are able to increase our neural plasticity. And that happens when we take positive actions. Our brains are actually hardwired to grow and develop. And the more we speak and believe and act in a way that is possible, the more our brains have the capacity to continue to do that. And God designed it that way. Unbelievable but it's true. Thirdly, we need to make the effort and prioritize our own development. And fourthly, we need to ask for help from the Holy Spirit. We do not have to do it on our own. Don't worry. But what might growth indicators look like in your life? How 
do you know whether you're progressing well on this journey of growth? Well, firstly, it might look like an increased victory over sin. Romans 6, 11 to 14 says, Sin will no longer be your master. The more you grow and develop in your spiritual walk, the more able you will be to be able to resist sin in your life. Secondly, it might look like a deeper sense of the presence of God. God is everywhere. So when we sing welcome here for you, uh, welcome, we're, we're waiting here for you, welcome here, um, we are not saying, God, you are over there, come here. What we're saying is you're already here, but I'm making a decision in my heart to welcome you here to, so that I'm going to listen and hear what you've got to say. In Psalm 139, 7 to 10, it says, where can I go from your spirit? And the more spiritually mature we become, the more we are aware of the presence of God. Thirdly, a deep desire for the word of God. I love this. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. That's what our response should be to the living word of God. Fourthly, it might look like an increased commitment to Christian service. Acts 9 verse 6 says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. There are many opportunities for you to serve in this church and in your local communities. And I'd really encourage you to get involved. One team we're particularly needing helpers in at the moment is our kids work. So if you're interested, that might be a great opportunity for you. Fifthly, we need an obedience to the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the works world and preach the gospel to all creation. That is something that we will see as a growth indicator in our life when we find it more easy to go out and say, would you like to come to church? Do you know Jesus? And ask those questions. Um, sixthly, a genuine love for others. 1 Peter 1.22 says, love one another deeply from the heart. We might have a growing love for God. Matthew 22.37 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It might look like a cheerful attitude towards giving. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is a great opportunity to sow into and invest into the kingdom of God and to see people's lives transformed. Um, And we give you lots of opportunities to do that. It might look like a growing practice of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, pray continuously. This doesn't mean lock yourself in the prayer closet and pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But it does look like every possible moment in your day when you have a moment to just take that time and just seek the Lord. In the shower, in the car, whilst you're waiting in the queue at the post office, all things are possible. It might look like a sincere devotion to the local church. Hebrews 10.25 says, do not give up meeting together. And it's so important that we have a base that we come to weekly to be together and to be with God. And I want to tell you something. It's not so much that you come to benefit from us. It's as much that we come to benefit from you. I can't tell you how much joy it brings me to look out into this congregation and see all of your faces and that you have such a positive impact on my life and I have such a joy and a love for each one of you and I learn so much from the conversations that we have because we all have different experience and it says in the Bible that iron sharpens iron and the only way that iron can sharpen iron is when it's together. 
And that's why we need to be here in communion with one another. And then it also might look like a love for the return of Christ. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 8, it says um, they longed for his appearing. And um, Pete and I were on our leadership training yesterday, and we looked um, at uh, the second coming of Christ. And it's so exciting and inspiring. But now for the health warning. It's important that we all strive for growth in our spiritual, emotional, and relational lives. However, it cannot be the end goal. The end goal must be a deep and powerful relationship with Jesus Christ. The growth is an awesome byproduct. And in case you're freaking out and thinking, I can't do this, don't worry. The growth is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to turn up, tune in, and put in the effort. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to, 6 to 7, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. This is illustrated further in Mark 4, 26 to 27. It says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Our responsibility is to cultivate habits of the mind, of the heart, and of life that create the right environment, and God does the rest. It's our responsibility to seek a rhythm of God in our lives. Lots of people talk about balance. I think balance is a myth. Um, and balance is also very hard work because to perfectly balanced. To, have you ever tried to use one of those old-fashioned scales where you've got to, you put like coins on one side and coins on the other, and you have to get it perfectly level? It's a nightmare, and you're taking one big thing off and putting a little thing on. It's really difficult, and it's a lot of effort. I don't think balance is achievable. If you disagree with me, you can come and talk to me about it later. Um, but I personally think we need to have a rhythm of life. So there are times when we give more time to our spiritual lives and sometimes it's a bit less. Sometimes we focus more on our work and our family sort of take a little bit of a backseat but only for a short amount of time and there are times when everything else is put aside because our families need us. It's a rhythm and we have a responsibility to find a heavenly rhythm to cultivate habits of the mind and heart and life that create the right environment and God does the rest. And when we talk about our values, those five values, when Brene Brown talks about living into or out of our values, what we do is we use them as a temperature check. So we say, is this thing that I'm about to do in line with my values? Does it measure up to what I've said I'm going to do? And that is how we should live our life. Pete and I attended our leadership engine training this weekend, and we were encouraged to focus on the word up. And I'm going to encourage you to do the same for 2020. The thought was that we need to look up. We need to set our eyes upon Jesus. Secondly, we need to turn up. You can't do anything without turning up. You've just got to turn up and the rest will fall into place. 
Thirdly, we need people to step up. So if you see an area of need or an area of uh, responsibility that's maybe lacking, maybe you're the answer. Lots of people often say, oh, I've seen this thing that needs doing. We should do something about that. What if God highlighted it to you because he wanted you to do something about it? So step up. And fourthly, help up. We have a responsibility, all of us, to help our brothers and sisters. So we provide pastoral care and things from the church as a corporate body. But a lot of responsibility for caring in a family is to the other family members. And if you see someone in need, you see someone who is hurt or broken, who's ill, who needs prayer, it's your responsibility to help them up as well. And when you find yourself in that place, people will be there for you too. So in conclusion, in 2020, we're called to a year of growth. Growth spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. We're called to step into our purpose and destiny and to discover who God has created us to be. This will not be program-based. What do I mean by that, you might say? We will put on programs and initiatives this year that will support this. But it's really about individuals taking the stand, taking responsibility and saying, here I am, Lord, use me. Only when each of us play our part, wherever we're called, wherever we're planted, whether it's in school, whether it's in business, whether it's at the school gate, whether it's with your own children, your own family, whether it's um, in youth club or at university, wherever God has planted you, only when each and every member of the body of Christ comes together and stands up and says, here I am, use me, will we truly see lives transformed. It cannot be um, from the front led thing. It has to be a movement of people, that's you guys, doing all that God has called you to be and living in the fullness of the purpose of Christ in your lives. Will you make that commitment today? The church, life church, is a movement of people empowered by the Holy Spirit and equipped by the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors for the works of service, for lives of connection, where we carry the good news of Jesus into the communities around us, but also living lives of true growth, where we commit to being more tomorrow than we are today, where we grow spiritually, emotionally, and relationally, and commit to be the best version of us that we can be as we discover who God has created us to be. We need to do the things that the person we were created to be would do. We need to live in accordance with that person. Even if we don't feel it now, we have to live in the fullness of what God is calling us to. We need to live lives of purpose. May we be people who commit to growth in 2020, despite the cost. May we say, we're all in. Invite the band back and we're going to pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this mission, this vision, these values that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live 
out of them and and really respond to them in this coming year. I thank you, Lord, that we are called for purpose. But Lord, I pray that each of us would have a fresh revelation of your purpose for our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come now, that you would speak in power to these people, that you would give them inspiration about who you've called them to be and what you want them to do going forward. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts that are open, ears to hear, eyes to see exactly what it is that you've called us to. Lord, I pray that we would really discover who you have created us to be. And Lord, if there are people in this room who don't yet know you, who don't live in that powerful, life-changing relationship with you, Lord, I pray now that you would prompt their hearts, that as they sit in these seats, that they would respond to your call, that they would respond and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would live in the purposes that you've called us to, that we would be empowered, equipped, and anointed for all that you have us to do in 2020 and beyond. Lord, may this be a year of legacy. As we plant our acorns, we're believing for growth and multiplication. I pray that each of us individually would be bigger and better tomorrow than we are today. I pray for every empty seat in this auditorium that it would be filled, Lord. Not for us to be able to say in our church figures, oh, church growth is up 20%. But that, Lord, each of those people that come, that fill that seat, would be be able to have a powerful and life-changing relationship with you. And that they would go on with their one little acorn to produce a harvest 10,000 times. I pray that in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.